Interesting decision today with New Zealand football. Well, it was a non-decision. Danny Hayes decided not to reapply for his job as the head coach. Uh, he'll be standing down at the end of his current tenure. We're joined now by a uh, long-time football correspondent for this program. He's also a coach as well. His name is Chris Millicent. Chris, another interesting story when it comes to the tale of New Zealand football. It's a constant soap opera, this affair, isn't it? No, nothing seems to go right for them. Welcome to the program. What do you take from this? No Danny Hayes. He's out at the end of October, good, bad and different? Personally, I think it's a shame. I think that Danny oversaw a four-year campaign that uh, we all know the last campaign was quite a quite a bit of a mess. He took it over. He went through COVID. Um, he's brought through a bunch of younger players. They're playing a style of football that's uh, new to the, to the game, but it's a very modern style of football. Uh, and he was basically one game away from going to a World Cup. You go to a World Cup, everything's forgiven. Uh, got done by a very experienced Costa Rican team that basically didn't really want to play and just got the goal they needed and, and just denied the, the all-whites. And, and so it's a bit of a harsh call. I think you can say that over a four-year cycle, he only really had two years and, and maybe four or five windows to, to show what he could do with the all why would Danny not put his name forward? Would, would he expect just to be reinstated w- without any form of competition? Is this p- sitting with him and maybe a bit of ego on that side of things? Oh, look, there could be. Uh, I, I think for a lot of people who have incumbent in a job and then you're told to reapply for the job, uh, you can read it as I'm reapplying just so that you can replace me. But then it also shows a lack of confidence in the coach because uh, asking him to reapply basically is to say, we want to see what's out there, see who's going to come knock on the door, and if there's no one better, we'll give you the job. And Danny, I think, has got quite a little of integrity, and uh, he's probably gone, you know what, I don't need to do that. I think I've, what I've done is do it on my own two feet, and if that's not good enough, I'll go and find something else to do. Historically, has this been an all-whites problem where the coach, there's been no continuity? Someone's come, they've lasted to the end of a cycle, they've disappeared again. Is this a, a problem with New Zealand football? Uh, look, I think it's a cycle problem with all international football teams, but particularly with the all-whites. Uh, coaches do come and go. There's a, there's a turnover of staff during that period. There's generally quite a lot of staff turnover at the national body head office. So I think that there's, there's been a lack of real focus on a leader. If you look with what happens within any sort of high-performance environment, the person who's leading the high-performance needs to be a very, very knowledgeable, skilled uh, coach or someone that's been there and done that. And unfortunately, I think at New Zealand football, at times, there hasn't been that role. So Danny may have been operating in a silo by himself without any real uh, t- technical or tactical input from anybody on a higher level and I do know that a a high performance manager was put in place and he came in but it was quite late in the piece and I'm not sure what happened there whether whether there was a breakdown of communication and that Um, but singularly you always need to have somebody uh, that you report to and I'm not so sure that there's been that for Danny so anything that could have gone slightly wayward from someone's opinion uh, should have been mitigated and managed as it happened. Surely that this situation is something that the CEO himself should be looking at. If you've got distinct silos, which is what this report says, and you've got them operating independently with zero communication, shouldn't the buck stop at the man above it all? Should not this be have looked at a lot earlier on as opposed to coming out in a report now? I find that um, a little irresponsible, for want of a better word. Yeah, look, if, if that's what's happened and that's what the statement says, then yeah, it is the job of the CEOs to make sure that all the 
pieces and the, and the cogs are all working together, going in an aligned uh, fashion. And if they go a bit wayward or they start to get a bit rusty and, and lacking oil, then the job is to get them back on track to meet the goals of the group. So there's been a, if that's the case when they're talking about silos, then there's been a lack of leadership somewhere. There's a number of points being raised in this report that I've gone through. One of them is that Danny Hay is a rather autocratic character, but that is pretty much the way footballers run and coaches operate in this day and age. The all-whites were happy under his tutelage and the way he ran things, although there's been a point made, and this might be an expanded more than I think, that looking for this culture of honesty and transparency and crucial to the younger generation of player that they are, I suppose feel that they can bring their point of view to the floor and they are listened to. Is that maybe going too far one way, do you think, as opposed to the, 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 the dictatorial fashion? Well, OK, I'll put it this way. In your coaching staff, you have dictatorial coaches and you have what would be called player-centric coaches. So you have a raft of them in there because at the end of the day, when you do tandem coaching, uh, the dictatorial coach can stand in there or, and, and say what he, what he wants word for word. Uh, the, guy, other, the guy down the other end of the coaching spectrum can come in and go, right, this is what we want to do, let's talk through things. And each player has a different learning style. So you've got a problem if you've got four or five autocratic coaches. You've got a problem if you've got four or five, what I call the player-centric, complete coaches. Somewhere along the line, you need to have a mix. Like any leadership group, you need a mix. So you're getting the, the good and the bad, and you're always pushing. Now, in football in particular, in the environment Danny would have been played and the ones he's seen, um, do as I say or don't play is quite a way to go because there's a saying in football for a player, don't be a coach killer. So don't be the guy that decides you're going to do your own thing and, and you lose the game and the coach gets fired. So there's two things here. If you're in a professional environment and the players are all deciding one thing and the performances are going against the team, the only person who catches in the back of the neck is the coach. And so from a football perspective, because it's probably the most cutthroat coaching environment in the world, you've got to make sure that the team is doing what you want, when you want, to achieve the results you want. How you share that with the players and how the players give feedback in that uh, takes time and, and interest. But there certainly should be an environment where you're putting a game plan, you're in a training session, and you say to a player, I want you to do this. The player should have the capacity to go, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I would rather do it by doing this. And the coach should then say, okay, I'm happy with that. Now we're adjust the things around that to ensure that you're comfortable to do what you want to do. Because fundamentally, when you go to a game of football, in a World Cup qualifier in front of 50,000 people, you can't hear yourself think. You then can't ask players to do something they technically and tactically are unable to do comfortably and then expect them to um, thrive and succeed. So it's, it's not a simple, this is a very, sounds like it's a very simple solution, but this is not a simple solution, and it quite often comes down to a mix of the staff and the process is in place for players to feel comfortable. But that's a really interesting comment they've made because Neil Emblem was part of the uh, all-whites group towards the later part when it was at the uh, the Aussies and that, and he is fully down the player-centric line. So, you know, so I, it's very interesting. But unless we're in the... The environment, we're not sure what happened. No, no, it's the, the, the three sides to the truth, my side, your side, and the actual truth itself. And we're probably never going to find out. In your eyes, Chris Millicent, so watching the progress of the All Whites 
under Danny Hay, considering what he had to deal with, and the big one here, the big, uh, the elephant in the room here is is the, the COVID situation he had to deal with. Do you think the team was showing dramatic steps forward? Look, they couldn't score goals, and that really irritated a lot of people. I understand that. It's the object of the game. But do you think, whole, in a holistic way, they were actually moving in the right direction, that he was the man to take them to the promised land? 100%. The reality is, when you look at where the All-Whites were with the older players they had, Danny has introduced a brand new group of young players, the Joe Bell, the Staminiches, the Garvits, uh, the Greaves, etc. Uh, and they've been fostered by, you know, the Winston Reid and the Chris Wood, etc. Uh, he has brought them all through. A lot of players that played recently, or in the last two years, are certainly the younger generation. Now, that took a coach uh, with a lot of confidence in them, a lot of positivity to play them. So there has been that evolution. I would have been more happy if it had the whole four cycles. Personally, I would offer them another two years and said, show you what you can do. And if that wasn't successful, I would have said, well, that's the, this is the end line we want to see in two years. And if you're successful, we'll let you go through. If not, we'll replace you. Because there's a guaranteed World Cup in the next cycle. Guaranteed. As long as they win the Oceana. So the thing that gets me is we got a guaranteed World Cup and we're just going to have a raft of third and fourth rate applications for the role that look far more competent and adventurous than they really are and come down and we could ruin what could be the opportunity for, of achieving success as we need it for the development of the country and football. And I'll leave you with this, Chris Millicic, uh, one of the, the first gaps that's been identified in this report. The All-Whites and NZF's high-performance staff operated almost entirely independently of each other in silos for much of the campaign, the World Cup campaign. Uh, for some of the New Zealand coaches and senior players had little trust in New Zealand football's high-performance staff, the CEO being one noticeable exception. I think we've got to make a point of that. And there remains a strong sense within this group that New Zealand football as an organisation lacks sufficient professional football experience, and Danny Hay is going to carry the can for that. But a bit of worry, eh? Yeah, look, I think that you wouldn't you say you've put a high-performance manager in place late in the piece, um, everything's in set in place and it's going, it's very difficult for suddenly that high-performance man to come in and make changes needed unless he was uh, basically put in charge. My understanding is I'm not 100% that the All-Whites coaching staff were reporting directly to him. Uh, prior to him coming on board, there was certainly no high performance, in my opinion. There's, uh, you, you've got to get the right people in there that actually understand it. Uh, we've got, we've got numerous people in this country that have gone to World Cups, uh, age World Cups, etc., had experience in international football, and they're not in the national body. The national body. Uh, so you'd have to say there is a drop off in the high performance, and if this report highlights that then hopefully we'll see some drastic changes and get some football high-performance people there and as compared to high-performance from sports that don't have to face the, the double scrutiny and the real harshness of international football. And on that, Chris Millicent, you'll get back on with uh, your evening. Thanks very much for your time, as always. Anytime, Dust. Thanks, mate.